And peace be with you. I'd like to uh, direct your attention to the bulletin and the announcement sheet here. And first thing I'd like to say is um, a Thank you. It seems woefully uh, small, but um, thank you to everybody that came out for the workday yesterday. And and uh, as uh, one of the cleaner things I can say, my grandpa would have said, they busted their humps, uh, cleaning up and culling through many years of collectibles. And... Uh, it's just amazing to see the fruit um, of all that labor yesterday. And I am grateful to all who uh, came by and spent their Saturday doing something for this church. And, and uh, so thank you again. And maybe a round of applause. <laughs> you know, but thank you for that. Um, that is good fruit. Those are, uh, that is good fruit. We're going to talk about fruit today in the sermon, but it's not a works, it's uh, fruit of repentance. And so maybe you've never heard it presented that way, but we're going to um, discuss that. Also on the bulletin here is missions. This month, our missions uh, collections go to the Shamil family, which is the Josiah uh, venture. And Tomas and Miriam and their children are missionaries in the Ukraine. And you have met them before. Um, I met them through my pastor Leland down at Lutheran Church of the Cross. And then they came and spoke here one Sunday. And I understand that Grace is also uh, supporters of them. So this month, our collections for missions will go to them. We also have uh, emails that we get and updates. The last one, I believe, was March 11th, whereupon Tomas has provided some pictures and some uh, explanation of what he has seen, he and his family, how their family is doing, but also about the resistance that is going on uh, in the Ukraine against the Russians. And so if you have an opportunity, uh, I believe they're uh, out on the, in the narthex. Is that true? Actually, there's some, okay. So take a look at that and um, please continue to keep them in their prayers. The family escaped the Ukraine and they made it into Poland. And the kids are going to school amazingly. Um, some via Zoom and uh, one little girl uh, doesn't, speak or she doesn't read uh, Czech and she's in a Czech school. So she's, you know, struggling with that. But oh my goodness, they just found themselves to be refugees as he puts quotes in there and uh, all of the things. So please keep them in your prayers. Um, Tomas has mentioned that he has been going uh, into, back into the Ukraine with a bus full of supplies uh, going in and then loads the bus up with uh, women and children to come back to the Ukraine. So just a prayer of uh, protection for this, uh, this man, this, this faithful servant. And I think that's probably, we got the Lenten lunch, and um, I just want to thank everybody 
for coming. There was uh, over 15 of us uh, at the soup and study or the pizza and study last week. And so thank you for that. Thank you for responding to uh, my um, hope that you would be in the Word. And to that end, we have brand new portals of prayer, and there's some out there. This is a really good way to be able to answer if somebody says, how's your devotion life? And you say, I do it every day. And it's just little bite-sized chunks, so grab one of these. Tim, will you get us started, please? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise Just to know, thus says the Lord Come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you 
and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called an ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, 
you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Receive our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Peace be with you all. I'm going to start in the book of Ezekiel. Very interesting. Uh, I don't read Ezekiel that often, but of course I decided I better practice before I come up here. So I read a little, so this will be my fourth time. I'm going to read it. Anyway, we're going to be looking at Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 7 through 20. You can find that uh, on 1339 in the Pew Bible, or whatever page you might come to when you get to it in your Bible. Uh, what we're talking about here is after the fall of Jerusalem. Um, there, these readings that I'm going to do right now are actually sermons and oracles of comfort and judgment. Yes, God will judge the, each and every individual whether you're righteous or not. This is what we're going to be reading about here. So starting out in verse 7. It says, Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn away from their ways, and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though yourself will be saved. Verse 10. Son of man, 
say to the Israelites, this is what you are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down and we are wasting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? 12. Therefore, son of man, say to your people, if someone who is righteous disobeys, that person's former righteousness will count for nothing. And if someone who is wicked repents, that person's former wickedness will not bring condemnation. The righteous person who sins will not be allowed to live even though they were formerly righteous. If I tell a righteous person that they will surely live, but then they trust in their righteousness and do evil, none of the righteous things he has done will be remembered. They will die for the evil they have done. And if I say to the wicked person, you will surely die, but they turn away from their sin and do what is just and right. If they give back what they took and pledge for a loan, return what they have stolen, follow the decrees that give life and do no evil, that person will surely live. They will not die. None of the sins that person has committed will, remembered, will be remembered against them. They have done what is just and right. They will surely live. 17. Yet your people say, the way of the Lord is not just, but it is their way and that is not just. If a righteous person turns from their righteousness and does evil, they will die for it. And if a wicked person turns away from their wickedness and does what is just and right, they will live by doing so. Yet, you Israelites say, the way of the Lord is not just, but I will judge each of you according to your own ways. Join me now as we responsibly read what is printed in your bulletin in Psalm 85. We're going to be reading that. Psalm 85 is a communal prayer for the renewal of God's mercies to his people once again. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore to us and Lord our Savior and put away your displeasures toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not rise again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what the God Lord says. He promises peace to his people 
his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. Next reading is chapter 10 in the first book of Corinthians 10. I'll be reading verses 1 through 13. You can find that in the Pew Bible if you want to follow along. It's on 1782, 1782. Um, this is talking about here warnings from Israel's history. Had quite the history. And not to test Christ. God was not pleased with most of them. You'll see why. Corinthians 10. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did. They were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the accumulation of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And note this, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Here ends the readings. This is the word of God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. 
The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. Our Gospel this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and can be found on page 1619 of your Pew Bible. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. When he told this parable, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but it did, he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Disasters come in, in many different forms. Some are man-made and others are, are natural. And some come as a result of negligence, and others as a result of cruelty. You know, the tornadoes, they collapse schools. And earthquakes shake, and towns and freeway overpasses collapse. And volcanoes erupt and burn and bury things. And tsunamis rearrange shorelines and dams give away and bridges collapse and buses leave the road and death tolls rise in politically unstable countries that are torn by war. And these events remind us of our mortality and they make us wonder, sometimes out loud, what 
will happen next. So how do we deal with all of this? Some people literally hide in their houses, and they never come out. And others move to areas of the world where these sorts of things are, are less likely to happen. And most of us do what we can to make things as safe as possible and to live our lives at an acceptable risk level that we can tolerate. And many times, disasters, as I describe, can lead to denial. We may say, these things happen to other people, but never to us. And when they do, we search for reasons that these disasters can't happen to us. That somehow, we are, or we should be, excluded for some reason. And the people who came to inform Jesus about the disaster in the temple, they seemed to be thinking that way as well. There were some present, it said, at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And among other things, these people, they just wanted some word from Jesus that would, that would explain away this tragedy. And we in our 21st century Western culture may not entirely understand the horrible nature of this event that was described. First of all, we understand from sources that are outside the Bible, I point to Josephus, but that one thing is, is that Pilate, Pontius Pilate, he actually lived on the shores of the Mediterranean. And he only came to Jerusalem during unstable times, such as Passover and other major Jewish holidays. His home was up from Caesarea Philippi. It was on a harbor. You can look it up. It's gorgeous. It looks like Santa Barbara beautiful kind of a port, natural port there. So it's north and west of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is inland. You'd probably assume that Pilate didn't really like Jerusalem. We also know that all of the sacrifices for the Jews happened on the altar of the temple in Jerusalem. And Jewish men were allowed near the altar only during these very special times. And for the rest of the year, this area was restricted to just priests. Only priests could go approach the altar. And we know that it was always absolutely forbidden to be approached by Gentiles, of which Pilate and his soldiers were. 
So this means that Pilate ordered his soldiers to defile this holy space of the temple during a holy time of the year and kill some innocent pilgrims from Galilee while they were preparing their sacrifices at the altar. It didn't get a lot worse than that. It is very likely that they were preparing their lambs in order to celebrate the Passover again. It's so sinister. It's so shocking to the people of this time. And the fact is, to them, it doesn't get a whole lot worse than that. Now, many people at the time thought this disaster was some special judgment from God against these Galileans. They rationalized that these Galileans must have committed some atrocious sin. Boy, they must have deserved that. Why else would God have judged them so? Surely God would not allow such a tragedy to befall devout pilgrims who were following God's own instructions in the Torah. There had to be a reason that God allowed Gentiles to commit such atrocious crimes in his holy house. Some call that blaming the victims. Now, we as human beings often think this way because we want some sort of assurance that these disasters can't happen to us. We want to believe that these things happen to other people because... Well, because they're reckless, or they're ignorant, or they're responsible in some other way for their unfortunate circumstance. We want to believe that we are somehow superior to those who experience these disasters. And in this way, we deceive ourselves into thinking that this can never happen to us. Jesus wanted to comfort the people who brought this sorry news, but he had to give them a a really strong dose of reality first. Jesus responded to them. He said, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? And he said, no, no. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Ouch. And then he said, or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all of the others who lived in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, Jesus said, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. These incidents of suffering and tragedy are not signs of God's judgment on individuals, but they are of his wrath against sinful humankind. The Murdered Galileans were not morally inferior to the other Galileans. The Judeans who died from the Tower of Siloam when it fell on them in Jerusalem were no worse than any other Judeans. All 
human beings. All human beings are equally sinful before God. Now, modern headlines and bad news playing from our televisions reinforce this teaching. We hear of a church bus accident resulting in multiple fatalities. But we can be sure that that church bus, that trip, we can be sure that it started in prayer. And the tornadoes that hit Kentucky just this last December were not respecters of innocent lives. We now know that the death toll is 80 people. And among them was a young woman and her unborn child. And so it was with Hurricane Katrina. Boy, there's a blast from the past. You remember Katrina? New Orleans. There were churches there that were rightly administering the word and the sacrament. And they lost their buildings, just like the strip clubs and the other dens of iniquity in New Orleans did. Tragic accidents can strike anyone, anywhere, at any time, and none, including God's people, are exempt. And the stark reality is that all of us have an appointment with death. None of us will be late for this appointment And none of us knows when it is. We are all on a road that sooner or later leads us to the judgment seat of God. And Jesus calls for us to prepare for this meeting in repentance. All who arrive at the judgment seat without it, without repentance, will be lost forever. There is no greater tragedy. Truly, there is none. So, in the first step of repentance, the Holy Spirit teaches us that we are by nature sinful and unclean. These words should sound familiar because you just said many of them. You said that we have sinned against God in thought, word, and deed, that we deserve nothing but punishment for these sins. Punishment both here in time and forever in eternity. And repentance begins by expressing a sincere sorrow for this sin. But it is not enough. It's not enough just to be sorry. Repentance goes beyond sorrow to faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus wants to represent us before the throne of God. Jesus has already walked the road to death and taken the judgment of our sins on himself. He has created a road through death into eternal life with his resurrection from the dead. And he offers us the forgiveness of sins that he earned with his death on the cross. And he 
offers us the eternal life promised by his resurrection. So Jesus calls us to repent and believe in him. And he warns us, he warns us, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. This teaching is so important that Jesus repeated it in the form of a parable about a fig tree. The fig tree is you. The fig tree is me. And the owner of the vineyard is God who desires to see fruit on his tree. And the fruit that he desires to see is repentance. The vine dresser is Jesus, as well as all those who proclaim his gospel. And as the owner gave the vine dresser time to work with the fig tree, so God has given his word time to work with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all those who have fruit, that is to say, those who by the power of the Holy Spirit, repent and believe that the kingdom of God comes to us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will stand before God with an advocate. Well, who's that? Number one answer in Sunday school, you bet, Jesus. Jesus himself will stand by those who repent and believe. And he will speak to the judge, and he will tell him that all of our fines have already been paid, and that all of our penalties have already been settled, and that all of our punishment has already been served. And just like that, the gavel falls, and the judge The righteous judge declares not guilty. Now those who have no fruit, that is those who have no repentance, well, they're all alone. They are lost. The fines, the penalties, and the punishments remain for them. And the gavel falls, and the judge declares Guilty as charged. And Jesus gave his call to repentance three times. He called us to repent after he spoke of the Galileans who died at the order of Pilate. He called us to repentance after he talked about the Judeans killed by the falling tower. And finally, he calls us to repentance with a parable about a fig tree. Now, repetition means that something is important. To teach something three times increases the importance. Repentance is the most important teaching in today's gospel. Repentance is the most important teaching in today's gospel. Repentance is the most important teaching in today's gospel. It is a continuous theme throughout the Bible. 
And in this world of uncertainty, in this world of disaster and death, the Holy Spirit works in us to give us salvation and peace with God. And the Holy Spirit gives us faith, and it produces a life of repentance that is a fruit of that faith. Repentance is a fruit of that faith. Repentance is a fruit of that faith. God produces a new man in us that will daily arise and live before him in righteousness and purity. And that new man will live before God forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us confess together our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us in our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for all people in accordance to their needs. Almighty God, you order and number our days according to your wisdom. Give us repentant hearts, lest we perish with this world of violence and suffering, that we would hold fast to Christ for life and salvation. Lord, in your mercy, <clears throat> gracious Lord, you take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but desire that they would turn and live. Give pastors courage to warn of sin and death. Give all Christians strength to defend that message. Turn sinners to life by the proclamation of Christ who delivers from all unrighteousness. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, Guard your people against immorality. Grant that our homes would be havens of godly instruction and chastity and fill marriages with fidelity and love. Lord, in your mercy, God of all, you establish justice not through the desires of sinners but by your law, which is for all. Enlighten the authorities of this in every nation that they may rule justly for true good. Lord, in your mercy. <clears throat> Holy God, remember your people 
who cry to you for mercy in a world where towers fall and sinners work evil. Deliver those in need of healing and comfort, those who we name silently in our hearts and out loud at this moment. We pray, Lord, that you strengthen them to look to you for help in their time of affliction. Lord, in your mercy, Lord of life, you have brought us into your vineyard and appointed us to bear good fruit. Receive our thanks for your patience and grant that we would show your love and grace in all that we say and do. Lord, in your mercy, And Almighty God, you led your people Israel through the sea and fed them in the wilderness until you delivered them to the promised land. You also have faithfully enlivened your people with Christ by means of holy baptism and holy communion. Receive our thanks for your kindness to the saints who now rest from their labors and sustain us by your means of grace until you deliver us also to heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace, responsibly at a distance, probably still for a little while. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. You bid your people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast. Renew our zeal, faith, and life, and bring us to the fullness of grace that belongs to the children of God. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, 
He took the bread and he gave thanks, and then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Repentance is fruit, amen? And Jesus lived to die for you and I, amen? And this is a foretaste of the feast to come, the feast that awaits you and I in heaven because we believe, because the Holy Spirit gave us faith, because we have been grafted in, because we have an inheritance, not by what we've done, but by what he did for you and for me. Now, this table is prepared for all who believe, and that's you. I heard you. I know you. So come, the table is prepared. Who died for me? How he left 
home in glory for the cross of Calvary. Yes, I'll sing. Yes, I'll sing. The wonder story. The wonder story. Of the cross. Of the Christ who died for me. Who died for me. Sing it with. Sing it with. The saints in glory. The saints in glory. I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that went astray. Through his loving arms around me, drew me back into his way. Yes, I'll sing, yes, I'll sing. I was bruised, but Jesus healed me, faint was I from many a fall. Sight was gone, and fears possessed me, but he freed me from them all. Days of darkness still come o'er me, sorrows Savior still is with me, by his hand I'm safely led. He will keep me till the river rolls its waters at my feet. Then he'll bear me safely over where the loved ones I shall meet. Let us sing a song that will cheer us by the way In a little while we're going home For the night will end in the everlasting day In a little while we're going home In a little while, in a little while We shall cross the billows foam we shall meet at last when the stormy winds are past. In a little while we're going home. There's a rest beyond, there's relief from every care. In a little while we're going home. And no tears shall fall in that city bright and fair In a little while we're going home In a little while, in a little while We shall cross the billows foam We shall meet at last when the stormy winds are past In a little while we're 
Not David. You weren't here yet. Tracy, myself, and John and Graham were attending church down south of us. And uh, we'd just been given the kind of news that that's for other people. That didn't happen to us. We just received the news that our son wasn't going to live. That happens to other people, not us. And you know, that pastor, young man, doing his internship, you know that he had the gall to look at us and say, you know, people might ask, why me? And then he said, why not you? Are you special? And boy, was that a sobering experience. And I'm grateful to that young man for saying and being bold to that. Because just like those that came before Jesus today, and Jesus says, you think that they are worse than anyone else? I'm saying, no, they're not. And you're not any better aside from me. So I pray that pastors and congregants have the courage to say, yeah, we are all in need of a Savior. Yeah, we all deserve death and punishment. Amen? 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his perfect, beautiful peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. beauty